Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Not to throw myself under a bus, but I'm going to do that before I get started. Um, hey, I'm Heath, uh, a lead pastor here at Reach, closer and closer to becoming senior pastor. And I had a senior moment last week. Um, so <laughs> Christian Recovery Center, one of our partners, um, I absolutely love, scheduled, totally my fault, scheduled them to come here last week. Well, I didn't put it on my calendar, so I didn't remember. He texted me on Thursday. I was like, look forward to being there. I was like, oh, they're coming to church on Sunday. Or he, you know, Josh and his wife. I was like, that's great. He got here. Still like, no, I had my microphone on. I had uh, the messenger getting ready to hear, ready. Um, and then I walked away, and Alan, bless his heart, thank the Lord, he had a conversation with Josh. And Alan comes back to me after he told to Josh, he was like, do you know Al, uh, Josh thinks he's preaching today? <laughs> and I was like... No, I didn't. I ran over to Josh. I took my microphone off. I said, hey, man, I don't know what happened. It was all my fault. It was in the text message chain. Um, And so, like, if I seemed a little frazzled last week, that's how my morning started. Um, Like, I had had baby's first Bible thing to get. Like, I just, like, my whole day, it just got thrown off. And um, here's the beauty of this. Um, In chaos, God speaks. When, when we miss the mark, God speaks. And I just want to encourage you, before I get started in what I'm going to share today, because depending on where you're at in this journey, um, there may be some conviction that feels kind of painful, or you may feel like I've failed in certain areas. And I just want to say, uh, if you're a child of God, we're starting in the plus. All of what I want to talk about today is the reality, the greatest thing that you have in you is the spirit of the living God. And what rescued you from you and from your past and from your sin and from everything else wasn't you. It wasn't your decision one day to become a better person. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you that we are in desperate need to lean into that forever. It isn't, you know, if if you went to church or you've heard me say this, um, and you've heard me incorrectly that this, this, our goal in church is to introduce you to Jesus and leave you there. Our, our goal at church and the goal of the gospel is to introduce you to a relationship with the living Father. And through that relationship, it changes your world and your life. And, and we want to step into that. And so today's message was really last week's message. Um, so it's going to be great. It's had two weeks to marinate. <clears throat> and today I want to talk about inheritance. What is the greatest thing that you can leave your kids? Uh, and let me, just, let me just hedge it off. Um, it's not what your will will leave them. Um, honestly, sometimes in an, a financial inheritance, and this isn't to shut, cut people out of giving them money, but sometimes a financial inheritance um, does more good, does more bad than good. And so... 
What I want to talk about today is the reality that the inheritance that we want to leave our kids is something that will last forever when moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not come and steal. But we want to leave an inheritance for our children that they get to enjoy for eternity. Um, Like I said last week when we prayed over our little ones, we're committed with the parents, which is a crucial Peace in that. The church is not responsible solely in raising and discipling your children. Our goal and our responsibility is to stand with parents to help shape and mold them, to help their kids as much as we can control it, to hear the gospel through our kids' ministry and through our youth ministry. And our goal is to help shape you so that you can speak life into your kids. Salvation is a free gift from God. It is not something that we get to hand over to our little ones. I wish it was. I mean, as a a pastor of a church for the last or being in ministry for the last 20 some years and having kids that were born after I said yes to a calling to be in ministry. My biggest heart is that my children would not hate the church nor me. Because I spoke things that I didn't live. They can hate me because I spoke things that I actually lived and they don't like those things. That's fine. But I don't want kids to see behind the veil and go, he doesn't really believe in these things that he's preaching. And that's the inheritance that we want to live our children. We need to or we need to figure out how we can learn to live the gospel in front of them. Because if your kids are old enough, you've already discovered this, they see right through you. They, you, you, you may think you're fooling everybody in the world, but your children, my children, are not fooled. They are not. They want to see it. They want every person that you encounter with, even the most resistant to the gospel person that you'll interact with, they want to see that it's real. And some of their push to you, some of their push into like, you know, or rejection of you is because they want It to be real, they're afraid it's not real, and they want to see it. Is it really real enough, even for you to handle what I'm putting on you? Our responsibility is to share, teach, and live, which is the crucial part of this, the gospel in front of them. Today, I want to look at 2 Timothy and a letter that Paul wrote, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, both letters, um, First and Second Timothy, were written, written by Paul to one of his disciples that was on uh, mission. And both of these letters were to encourage, to deal with things that are going on, but it's mostly um, almost like a heart of a father, Paul, talking to his spiritual son and encouraging him. And I, I want to get into the reality of what that looks like. And, and I think, at least my perspective... Uh, between um, two sections of Second Timothy, I'm going to prove my point um, that it is our goal and responsibility for our kids to see what's in us. So let's pray before we get into the Word. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I just reject the condemnation that may come uh, for parents in this room or grandparents in this room that feels like they've missed the mark or they've failed. And I just want to say that redemption... Uh, restoration and rebuilding is always possible with you. So, Lord, would you build in us a confidence in you, not a confidence in us, but a confidence in what you are capable to do in us, even 
in the later stages of our life, even after our kids are adult and out of the house, even as our kids are teenagers and don't want to listen to us at all, Lord, we want the, the capacity to be able to be changed by you so that they would see the truth of the gospel lived out in us. So, Lord, would you speak today through your word? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start um, with a section of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, um, verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read a few, two verses, talk for a second, and then I'm going to finish that section. But it starts with what is quoted in the New Testament when Jesus is questioned, like, what is the greatest commandment? So it says in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so what he's going to go into saying here in just a second is he's going to talk about the responsibility of parents to make sure that if that is true, then we're teaching that to our children, really, in all aspects of our life. And one of the most dangerous things that I think we can do, and one of the things I feel like I preach more often than not to people that have been around and have had a little bit of church, a little bit of Jesus, and I want to make sure that they get the full thing. And I heard this years ago, and this is not a um, a, a knock on vaccines or whatever. I'm not getting to that, so don't read into what I'm getting ready to say, okay? just um, The flu shot... Uh, is given to you, and they give you a little bit of it so that you don't get the real thing. I want to, and I think today's message, what I'm trying to get at, is I don't want us to give our kids just enough of Jesus that they never really experience the real Jesus. Because we can we can educate kids about the gospel. We can educate kids with information, and, and they may have just enough that they become an elder brother, you know, like the prodigal God's or prodigal son story where they miss entering into the father's good pleasure because of their own righteousness, that they they miss the thing that we really want is that we don't want to just give them a little bit of it. We want them to experience all of it. And sometimes it's easier to um, give our our kids this religious side of things like just don't do these things. And it's complicated. I have I have a, a, a kid. I'll leave him unnamed. Um, oh, I've only he's not here. Um, and you know he wants the re, he doesn't want the pat answer. He doesn't want like that's the truth. He he wants to like press and like well what about this and what about that which we want. And it's easier. I'm just going to tell you it's easier to give them the pat answer that's like God says not to so don't do it. Which sometimes we just have to. But we need to make sure that we're not just only giving them, God doesn't want this, so don't do these things. Because the gospel is we want to give them God. And if you're reading in Ezekiel, you read it for the first time, um, I think this, it may be the second time already, and it's written in there like four or five times, that God removes our heart of stone and he puts a heart of flesh so that we can walk His walk in obedience to him, fulfill his Law, do those things. We cannot. You cannot convince your kids to be obedient to a law that God hasn't changed their heart. Because they may walk in obedience as long as they're underneath you and then they'll leave. Um, and then walk in obedience to whatever they want. And what we want to do is we want to live the gospel from this moment on 
over and over again. I found this statistic. It says kids uh, who become active Christ followers as adults. And I I don't know how many people they surveyed, but I found this. And I I would say this is pretty true. Uh, If mom and dad went to church, 72% of kids will as adults. If mom and dad are there, 72%. If mom only went to church, 15% um, will as adults. If dad only went to church, 55% of kids will as adults. And going to church is not salvation. Let's just make sure. Let's just make sure that is translated. But it just means that they're still connected to the word of God. Uh, if neither mom or dad, then point then 6% of kids will as adults. And part of this saying which we're going to get into in the rest of Deuteronomy in just a second is that your presence here and your commitment to something outside of yourself, your commitment to the gospel and seeing the gospel move, translates into your kids' lives. Uh, the um, Barnes survey, there's another one here. It says they surveyed, I think it was like 2,000 church-going believers. 75% of them started their faith journey before the age of 18. And only 25% of the rest found faith after the age of 21. Um, And I say that because kids and youth are important. And if you serve in our kids' ministry, you're not babysitting. You know, you're not fulfilling a need. It is a need that we need. But the reality is, is 75% of Christians now began their journey potentially when they were in kids ministry or when they were in youth group or somewhere so like the reason why we want to invest in and pour into and we're going to keep knocking on the door like hey you want to serve you want to serve and it's not just because we need bodies in there it's because we believe that our ability to transform people's lives has the highest chance of taking root when they're younger and here's a kind of scary truth is you only have so many years with your kids. And this is going to be a little painful question. Uh, what are you doing with that time? Like, as a parent of, a, of three kids, one of them's already out of the house, and the other one in the next six months will go off to college. Uh, it's terrifying to think, have I, have I done enough? And that time shrinks every day. And so if you have... If you're if you're a parent of small kids, you're like, oh man, like praise the Lord, that's the glory land right there. Uh, it is, it is, it is pretty great. It is pretty great. Uh, but that time goes by so fast. Like I would have never. I don't feel uh, like a 47 year old that has a 21 year old kid, a 19 year old kid, and a 14 year old kid. I don't know how that happened. I don't. I mean, I, I know how it happened. But I don't know how the time has gone so fast. And so what I'm saying is be diligent with the time that you have now. Verse 6 in Deuteronomy, it says, And these words I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You will bind them as a sign to your head, and you shall 
and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. They took serious the words of God. And let me just tell you, uh, if your plan for giving your kids an inheritance um, cycles to one day a week, Sunday, it's not going to work. Like, you're, you're with, and I'm not talking about like every moment you're like, we're going to read the word. Like, don't leave here today. Like, I'm supposed to read the word. Like, wake up in the morning, you're standing outside their door and reading the word. The, the thing is that we should think about the gospel. We should think about the things that God had told us all the time. And in that, as we live them, we should be discussing them as we're sitting down, as we're going along the way. They're not just an event that we do on Sunday mornings. Our culture is teaching and training our kids every day with a billion-dollar budget. I mean, more, I don't think... I don't think I've ever been more convinced that our culture has an agenda for your children than now. And they are. I mean, whether it be gender identity, whether it be sexuality, whether it be... Uh, I mean, it just it, it hurts me to think that our, our young people are pro-terrorist groups. I mean, regardless of where you stand on all of the free Palestine, part of what happened was a terrorist organization that killed people, man, woman, and children. And, and our, our, our younger generation are, are so brainwashed, in my opinion, that we'll be like, we'll ignore the, the pain that his caused, but oh, like, we need to free, you know, there, there may be some piece of it that you want freedom for Palestine, which is a whole other thing that we're not getting into, but at the expense of a terrorist group that's terrorizing and murdering people, and they're they're rioting in college campuses, and like as a as a parent that's also has two kids in college right now, it's terrifying how much colleges liberally are ruining our culture. Anyway, soapbox down. Mm. We have to be intentional and authentic in leading our kids to life. It cannot be on accident. It's not just going to like accidentally happen. We have to be intentional. Leading does not happen by accident. You have to lead with purpose. And some of that may be terrifying because you're like, I don't even know what to do. And the, the truth is, start somewhere. The truth is, there's, no, there's not a book that's going to give you every answer. I mean, okay, let me, let me retract that. Because that, I, okay, excluding the Bible, there's no book. So sometimes we look for, like, I just need the parenting guide, and we get a book, and we get someone's opinion. If we do these ten easy things, it'll be perfect. And uh, Those are great. We need to read things like that, but we need to be in the Word, and we need to be translating the Word into our kid's life. And the only way that's going to happen is if it's in us. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. So regardless of what comes out of your mouth, your kids are going to do what they see you doing. So if you say Jesus is important, but your life doesn't reflect his importance, they're going to model your behavior, not your words. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. There's that word in there, train a child in the way he should go, his bent. You know, the, and if you've got more than one children, you realize that every child is different. And you, there's not a cookie cutter like, I'm, I'm going to train this, this work. I'm going to do it with this one. You, you perfected something. Next kid comes, you're like, this doesn't work at all. I don't know what to do. You've got to train a child in them. And, and I think that's the beauty of us having the power and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the more we become dependent on God and we begin to hear His voice, He leads us into ways that we can train our children. So we're going to jump into 2 Timothy. There's two encounters. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 5. And then we're going to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 7-10. through 10. And I want to talk about this reality of what does it look like for us to invest in our children. Uh, verse 5, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging him. In verse 5 it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Remember, the faith wasn't given to Timothy by his mother and grandmother. It was lived in front of him. He didn't just like because of them, like none of your children are saved because of your faith. Hear me, like my children don't get a free access to heaven because of Heath. My children have to proclaim the name of Jesus, put their trust in him alone, not in works, even even dad's works. See, they shared, taught and lived their faith in front of Timothy. Their examples help shape the faith that he is now living. And this was, this was not an easy endeavor for them. This didn't, I mean, this is, and we take it for granted because we see 2,000 years later, and this is what church is like, this was a brand new thing. The gospel had just been, just begun, just been let out, and, and their faithfulness, is being shaped and molded in their son through all the stuff that is going on. Our spiritual family is important. And hear me, hear me. You know, more than you going, man, I need to get all this right, you need to be like, I want to surrender to you, Jesus, over and over again. I want to, I want to see, I want my children to see me live it out. Remember those earlier stats? Involvement of you, even an imperfect involvement of you, helps shape and mold your kids' futures. Then we skip into 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, starting in verse 10. It says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The verse that you should probably get to know, and I think in the days, years, and 
um, decades ahead, it will be a verse that we need to step into. And let me let me just let me make sure. Let me make sure that we hear this. Um, acting stupid and foolish and getting persecuted for that, or walking in sin and being persecuted for that, isn't the same thing as walking in obedience to Christ and being persecuted because of that. Verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Like, we, we shouldn't say, Hey, people, hey, if, you're ju- if you would just be like me, like your life would be better. We need to say, look, look, I'm I'm after Jesus and I'm doing the best I can to be an imitator of him so that when you see me, you're not seeing me. It's not like just figuring out how to live your life so that you look like Paul. I think one of the most dangerous things that we can do is we can shape ourselves around some other believer and we try and esteem them and be like them instead of being like Christ. The importance of strong Christian community, the church. And, and, and what, I wanted, what I'm trying to get out of these two points, and we're going to go on, is the, the sincerity and the activity of mom and dad and grandparents um, to preach, teach, and live the gospel in front of your kids is part of what exposes them to the truth. And the next thing, here, here's Paul Proclaim unto Timothy what you've, what you've seen me teach and in my conduct and my aim of life. Like he's lived the gospel out. And I look at Paul. Paul was like the apostle starting the church. This wasn't, it, he becomes like a spiritual follower to him, but this was the greater portion of Christendom that Paul's saying, hey, we need this. As you've seen me teach, what you've heard me teach, what you, how you've seen me live, how you've seen me conduct myself Continue even to the point of persecution. Verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I think um, the the perfect scenario, and I'm and I'm just going to say that Christ can work with the imperfect. The perfect scenario is having a Mom and a dad, or a mom, or just a dad, or a grandparent, doing everything in their power to let the gospel shape them, training, teaching, showing their children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. And then also connecting them to a body of believers that are going to teach the Word of God, because the Word of God is where our freedom comes from. Like, I could tell you, hey, look at me, you're free. 
But if that freedom is just based on my opinion, if that freedom is just based on like, okay, now that you've entered into church and now that you've sang a few songs, you're good. You would be misled because you would be trusting me. But if if I stand up here and tell you the words of God and say, hey, this is the truth for us, it changes us. The, The word is the most important thing. We cannot live out what we don't know. Paul was like, how, how are they going to be converted if they don't hear? How are they going to hear if the word is not preached? How is the word going to be preached if the people aren't sent? Like this, is, this is part, and I know that they're like everything else is putting pressure on you. You probably have pressure from work, and you're like, oh, I don't need one more thing. The most important thing that you can invest your life in is an inheritance for your children. The most. Like at the end of your life, you're not going to sit in your dying bed and go, man, if I'd only become vice president, if I'd only if I'd only got to six figures or eight figures, if I'd only none of that, none of that will matter when you're sitting there. The only thing that you're going to matter is I believe it's going to be either a missed opportunity with Jesus on your own end or it's going to be a missed opportunity with relational connections to other people. We need to fight for this peace. So I'll go back to my original question. What inheritance are you leaving your kids or grandkids? Your children don't just become what you say. They become what they see. Can you, like Paul, say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ? When I say this, I wrote it here, it's never too late. I think sometimes, even right now, there's pieces of me that feel like I have failed in areas with my children. And if we're not careful, we'll let that, that, that yesterday shape our tomorrow. We're like, well, I failed here, so like, and I've had them for a night. You know, my son's 19, my daughter's 21. Oh, like, if I failed here, like, what, what's the chance? Your, your kids could be 40 or 50 years old, and there's still be an opportunity for you to speak grace and truth to them. But let me just tell you, we can only speak what we have. If you want inheritance to be given to them so that there's eternal dividends for that, it has to start with you understanding the gravity of your relationship with Jesus. Is this world all there is? If this world is all there is, then live live it up. But if the truth is that this world is 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 a is a vapor like this life here which I know it feels like a long time light and momentary affliction because we get eternity with our family and we need to fight for this we need to remember that God is the God of miracles so that if you feel like you've failed press in to the father And let him shape and mold you now so that you have an opportunity. So where do you start? I'm going to quote um, a rated R movie. So just forgive me. Just forgive me. It's The Matrix, if you've seen it. And there's this line in it. I heard it. And I'm like, Morpheus tells Neo this line. He says, There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Now, let me just tell you, 
and I hope you hear this every Sunday, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, there's a difference between what you know and what you live. And what we want from you is we want to help you learn to live like Jesus is greater in every aspect of your life. And, and that's, that's a process that will, you'll never finish. As long as you're living and breathing, God's going to be like, hey, I want this piece of you. Like this, this piece of you is hurting you. There's a difference in knowing the path and walking the path. We want to walk out this. Like, um, I love, I just bought more one-year Bibles. I think there's one out there. Whoever doesn't have one, you can fight for it on your way out. You might, or go to the bathroom right now. Um, <laughs> I just ordered 20 more. Um, we have spent thousands of dollars this year to put these in people's hands. And I'll continue to spend thousands of dollars to put the Word of God into people's hands. But hear me. Reading the one-year Bible every day will do nothing for you if you don't learn to live what the Bible is speaking. You can have it all memorized. You can have it all known. Jesus, the ones that Jesus had the biggest issue with, the Pharisees, they had memorized the whole, their Bible, they had memorized all of it by the time they were like 10 or 12 years old. They knew it. Jesus... (laughs) made them very angry and he's like don't you know the word don't you know that the word says that's like of course i know what the word said i've had memorized since i was 12 years old and then 30 or 40 years old and he's like don't you know the people that he had the biggest issue with if you read the four gospels the ones that he is the harshest to are the ones that knew the word but didn't live the word he said that you you'll go across the world to create a convert that will be worse than they were because of you. Like, I I don't want you to just know it. I mean, I think the most dangerous people potentially in this room are people that know a lot of the Bible but don't live like they know it. I mean, I'm not talking about that they speak it because they may speak 100% truth. They may know it, but if their life doesn't reflect it, people don't care. That's why Jesus didn't go to the scholarly people, he picked the scrubs, the working man, the zealot. The zealot were the people, they were the terrorists. One of Jesus' 12 disciples, they were ready to murder people to bring, the God, to bring you know, Judaism back. They were ready. They were like, give it to me. And Jesus took that guy and was speaking to him, turn the other cheek. He was telling these things. He's saying, I don't care what you were before. I want you to learn to live like I am. What did he tell him? He's like, pick up your cross and follow me. What is it? Is your kids are the people and not just maybe you don't even have kids and maybe your kids are out of your house. Maybe they love Jesus. You're like, well, I'm good. I don't have to do anything else. God gave us the great commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And until that's done, which it is not, we have work to do. And that work starts right where you're at. I mean, I know you interact with people that don't know Jesus. I mean, if you leave your house, you interact with people that don't know Jesus. You go into Walmart and you see them and you get frustrated at them. You, go, you walk down the road and, I mean... What are we doing to help and shape and mold us? Because we, it is, eternity is what we're talking about here. So how can we show our kids or whoever the power of the gospel? 
I think this is important, and this is what Deuteronomy 6 says. We, we read the Word. We, re, 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 we read the Word, and we share the Word with our children, but we don't just read the Word, we live the Word out. The most important thing that you can do, because if you live a truth out that isn't God's truth, it's no good. And some of us have truths that we're living every day that we're like, this is my gospel that isn't the gospel. We've got to make sure that we're, we're living the right word, so we have to be in the word. We have to be shaped by the word, and we have to not just allow us to be the only interpretation of it. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, when we, if you just read and be like, this is what the word says, and you don't know all of the languages and stuff, like, we, we need to get people around us so that we're not the sounding board of, like, this is the word, because lots of cults have started with, like, this is the word. And we need to be people around us to be like, hey, you know, let, let's dig into the word together. Let's like I love the groups that are going on right now that just read and go through the word of God and go, hey, what does what should this mean for me? Because if you just have you and this is why community is so important, if you just have you, you have just your discernment on what's going on and not that you don't have the Holy Spirit and not that God can't teach and train you. But we need other people like this is what. Paul's telling Timothy, you've seen me continue. Why would he tell him to continue if he had already, he's there? He tells Timothy, continue in what you already know. Another one, um, we need to pray. Prayer is a declaration of our weakness. But you're like, ooh, well, we're not weak. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. We are weak. Prayer is an acknowledgement that we cannot fix all of our problems, that we are declaring God intervene. And tomorrow night from 7 to 8, you can come here and we'll do that together. Another thing that you can do in front of your kids and invite your kids into this is serve. I'm going to throw Jeff under the bus. Not really. I'm going to praise Jeff. Um, Jeff came this morning to help set up, and guess what he brought? His two kids to help him come Set up. They move chairs. Jack, Lily, thank you. Look, as we serve, like invite your kids. I, I remember like when, when we first moved here and Noah came for like three, and he reminds me that he came for years. Like He's like, I've put my time in. I've done it. But there, when you invite them to serve alongside you, invite them into what you're doing and I say that because I want you to serve in our church, not just because we need you, which we do. Like this, These things don't happen without you, but when you serve, you get the bigger picture. You get to be a part of something that's going on. And when you say, I value that, and you invite your kids into that, then they get to see the value of it. And then this last one, I'd, I'd put church in there originally, but I want to make sure that we understand what I'm really talking about. Make the kingdom a priority. Look, being at church every Sunday isn't going to fix all your issues. But existing outside of a family, a church community, um, could be dangerous. And, and maybe we're not in it. Maybe it's your first Sunday and you're like, Man, I don't even know these people. That's fine. But once you get to know and you're like, this is my church, don't just attend on Sunday morning. I mean, I want you to be here on Sunday morning because I'm here almost, almost every Sunday. And I know when you're not. Because I look around, I'm like, where are they at? Two services make it a little bit more difficult. Because I'm like, were they here first service? 
So it's a little, you get it, you get it better, but making church this piece that's like, man, I want it to be a priority, but not just church in general. This is just part of what God's doing in his kingdom. How much of his kingdom is a priority to you? Like, what, what are you actively doing? Because kids will see what's important, and they, they are going to ter- determine what's important for them by what is important to you. If, if, and this is a fear of mine because like I, I want my children, both my two older ones, like I said, are in college and I want them to get a degree because I want them to have a job because having a job is important and helps them pay for themselves outside of me and they don't live with me afterwards. <laughs> but money isn't going to save them. Having a great job, and I, I'm trying to have this conversation with my two older kids that like, you know, and one of them's like, oh yeah, money makes life. And I was like, it does make it easier, but it won't satisfy you. So I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, um, in our two services, we have prayer people that are in the room. I see badges around here. So if, if, if you're like feeling overwhelmed or maybe you're feeling like, man, I'm red. Like I need, I need just somebody to agree with me. Like I, I, want, to, I want to press into this and I really want to to give this, or maybe it's like, man, I need advice on, like, prayerful, like, God send me people or places or resources to help me get this going. Uh, they'll be around here. But I just want to go back to this one reality as it starts with the gospel. And the gospel um, is our inability to save ourselves. We don't have the capacity. You are not good enough. You will never be good enough to make yourself acceptable before God. And a loving God knew that that was true, sent his son to earth to live a sinless life, to be the last sacrifice, to be the last lamb to be laid out and bled for the forgiveness of our sins. No more is it a once a year thing that we have to do. And every year we have to renew that sacrifice. Jesus became the once and for all. And our faith and faith alone in that sacrifice for our forgiveness of sins is the beginning of our journey with him. And then he wants to shape and mold every piece of your life. So if there's pieces that are in your life right now that you know this isn't God, get a handle on it. Because the enemy would love to have another foothold. The enemy would love to have another place in your house. The enemy, enemy would love to wreck your children's life. Because you know what it does to you when your children's lives are wrecked? It, it, it messes with you. And so just say, God, like I, I need. And maybe this morning is just going, God, I need you. Uh, maybe this morning is going, God, I need help. I don't even know what to do. I need to know where to step. I need to know what to do next. But I want you to know that the most important thing that we have at this church is our young people. Because they can be shaped and molded. And this is what our, our country already knows. Our, the advertising agencies already know. I watched a thing, a video on TikTok the other day. It's literally um, marketed to 13-year-olds. And the, the guy who was talking about it, he was like um, 10, 15 years ago before social media, before the technology that we had, um, advertising companies knew they had to go through mom and dad to get to the kids. And so they would, they would have their programming be good enough that the parents would allow it, but now they can bypass 
parents and go right to the kids through these apps. And, and they are, they don't, they don't, I don't even think they have, maybe the devil has an agenda for it. I think their agenda is just to make money. And they don't care what that algorithm is to make them money. Whatever they're exposing the kids to, we need to pray harder. We need to get in the Word, and we need to live a life that reflects the gospel that we serve and the God that we love. Let's pray. Um, God, I just lift up the moms and dads and grandparents, those that maybe even right now they're thinking about that specific kid and they're, they're hurt because of where they're at. And Lord, I, I just pray your grace and mercy over those prodigals, over those kids that are out in the world and, and maybe floundering or failing. And Lord, I, I just want to pray for the, the parent that's probably in some sense blaming themselves. Lord, regardless of what cause what's happening, we want to redeem that. And so, Lord, I pray over those in this room that we would begin to live the gospel that we believe. And in living the gospel, those around us would see it. They would be changed and transformed. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment how to speak into our kids' lives. And Lord, I pray that you would give favor to reach community church, to reach our kids here, whether it be in kids' ministry, whether it be in youth ministry. Lord, I pray that you would allow the gospel to be heard and to receive and be acted on. And so, Lord, I pray that you would shape the adults in this room that have the capacity to mentor, to love, and to shepherd the young. But, Lord, start with us. Work on our heart. Shape our heart. Lord, help us surrender to you completely so that we can lead them to grace in you. So, Lord, let us leave an inheritance that's worth leaving to our children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.